0: Hello, I am here with my childhood friend, Daniel Symes. Uh, we became friends when I was 11 years old. I think mainly we became friends because we had the same name, and when you're that age, that's kind of a cool thing, I think. It seems silly now. Say hello,
1: Daniel. Uh, hello, I'm Daniel Simes. and yeah, I'd echo, yeah, we became friends because we had the same name, um, and the same last initial. Uh, that, that's another important distinction because I was comfortable with there being another Daniel, but there being another Daniel S was pretty intense. Again, I was 10. Yeah.
0: So actually for my, my whole childhood, I had to go by Danny because somehow he got ownership of both Daniel and Dan. He got both of those names. So I had to be Danny because we were close friends and everybody knew us both. And that, um, I'm trying to come out of that now, but some people still call me that. So uh, we have in common that we both uh, grew up in Overland Park, Kansas, which is a suburb of Kansas City, and we were both, I think, spiritually minded as kids, which is uncommon. But we were both spiritually minded, so we both thought about like God and religion a lot. And and as it turns out, I eventually evolved and sort of became atheistic, anti-religion, and then sort of became Buddhist which is where I'm at now. And Daniel also had his own journey where he um, sort of stopped being a Christian and sort of became a pagan. And then he became a Freemason. And now I think he's some sort of Unitarian or something. So we've both had thinking that was very important as children and reading the Bible as children, which I think a lot of people, even adults don't do, but as children, we read the Bible and I don't think we understood it, but we tried. And we both also had a diverse and a strange path. And I wanted to bring him on today to talk about spiritual community or community in general, but mainly spiritual community, because um, he has that, the the view of being within the pagan community, and he can tell me how community works there, and of being in Freemasonry, and he can tell me how community works there. And I have spent time deeply involved in a Buddhist community, and I've seen Uh, sort of what works and what doesn't, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So um, that's my introduction. So I want to ask Daniel, how do you define spiritual community? Well, I
1: I think uh, spiritual communities can be many things to many people. Um, I think the first one that most people think of is a church um, or a temple, like uh, the Rimei Center uh, or other Buddhist groups in town or meditation groups or um, there's there's a lot of groups. Kansas City is really spiritually diverse. It's one of the things I love about my town. Um, and a spiritual community has good, good traits because that's where people go to learn spirituality. That's where they go to exemplify it. Um, it does obviously have some pitfalls. I'm sure we've all seen when things sort of go south with a group of people where it may have been good one day and then next day expectations change. So... Um, I hope that handles your point there yeah so I wanted
0: to talk about first of all um, I've only learned in recent years that my f- my family the sharpenbergs are a Lutheran family and I know that because I've started going to funerals of relatives and they're always Lutheran funerals and well why is that interesting Well I don't know if it's interesting but it is Um, when my family came here, they didn't just join a Lutheran church, rather, uh, a friend of my mother's who lived on our street, went to a specific church, which was disciples of Christ. And because a friend went there, we started going there. And I think people do that. They're more apt to go to where a friend goes than to go to what aligns with their past. And I think that that is something spiritual communities struggle with is how do you get new people in? And individuals struggle with, well, where am I going to go? Where am I going to be most comfortable? And that's something that all communities have to wrestle with. How can we be welcoming? And should we tell everybody we're welcoming? Does that mean anything? No, probably not. But how can we be welcoming? I think that's what spiritual communities have to have to think about. And being welcoming is really hard. So, and then one more thing about my childhood that I'll say is, When my father passed away, I was 15 years old, and our church, the Hillcrest Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, members of our church came every night and brought dinner to our family for, I don't know if it was three weeks or a month, but for a long time my mom didn't have to cook because that's what a thing that, a function of communities that communities can do. And I bring that up because in my experience, that kind of thing that kind of caring about people taking care of people in the community that's what i've seen lacking when i pay attention to buddhist communities when i pay attention to buddhist communities i don't see that kind of thing happening and i wonder why that is and so what i want to ask you is um, if what goes on in pagan communities that you've seen you've from what i understand you've been involved in two pagan communities in kansas city Maybe more,
1: but two two big ones. Is that right? Um, I think you could say I was involved in, in Gaia community for a number of years. I'm involved with Camp Gaia, and there's probably, I'd say, a loose network of probably 100 to 200 groups of people that call themselves pagans um, that would probably, some of them would call me a member, some of them would not. That's kind of up to them. Uh, what I would say is that, yes, community, pagan community, especially, uh... One of the benefits it has is what you just described. Somebody died, and then a bunch of people show up and bring food. You know, people think of spiritual communities like, okay, well, this is the place where they tell me uh, what I believe and what I think. And I think that's where we kind of we fail to realize that the the religious or spiritual tradition doesn't doesn't actually matter. Community is about just that thing. The I have a problem. Do what can I turn on? The, turn to this community for help? Yes, no. Um, sometimes like with Buddhist communities, I think a lot of times people are learning to let go of attachments. And so it's harder for them to get attached to the community even. Um, whereas with other groups, they're not as focused on attachment, so they'll go ahead and get attached. Uh, but the value of community, I would say is how, what they can do for one another in very small material service ways. That's something they all have in common. Um, Freemasonry has a lot in common in that uh, it's more of a fraternity, but it's also kind of a, a family of associated groups. And it it has an element of, okay, let's roll up our sleeves and let's help someone. There's a do it that that goes to community that isn't so much, uh, whereas like maybe a, a book club, you're going to read and learn and study versus, okay, well, we're going to go clean somebody's house. Mm-hmm. Okay, Um
0: I hate that there's two pagan communities that both call themselves Gaia in Kansas city. I think that's stupid, but anyway, uh, far be it for me to, okay, I'm judging them. But anyway, um, one thing I've noticed that I think sets Buddhism apart. And I've seen people get mad when I tell them this on online where people are more prone to get mad than in real life, but uh, not in real life, but I've seen people online get mad when I, when I ask questions about this, but Buddhism, from what I can tell, is the only spiritual tradition, and I'm speaking, and I want to be very clear, I'm speaking of convert Western Buddhism. Convert Western Buddhism is the only spiritual tradition in the United States where the normal thing to do is to go away from your spouse and your family to go practice, and so there are Buddhist community leaders whose spouses are not in the community at all. And you wouldn't see that in a Lutheran church. And you wouldn't, and I've sort hmm. of looked into paganism enough to know you don't really see that in paganism either. Because at first, my first thought was, well, it's because Buddhism's a convert religion. People weren't born Buddhist. So therefore, you go away from your family to meditate and to practice, and that's okay. But I have found that pag- paganism is largely a convert religion too. They don't have that phenomenon. P- pagans practice as families and Buddhists. Some Buddhists do. I met my girlfriend at a Buddhist temple and we practice together, but a whole lot more Buddhists go away from their family to practice. And I've tried to figure out why that is. And again, I'm speaking about Western convert Buddhism because if you go to your local Vietnamese Buddhist temple, well, they're all practicing as a family and um, they have some of that social fabric that you expect religions to have, but in convert Western Buddhism, that's largely lacking. And sometimes people will ask questions like, why isn't our community more closely knit? Why aren't we all taking care of each other? Why is it when someone's debt has passed away and the whole community is not coming to the funeral? Why is that? And I think that that's something that Western Buddhism has to really think about because we're not always filling the
1: role that I think religion is supposed to fill. Yeah, I think uh, if I can speak to some of that, uh, a spiritual community uh, can can do several things, which, like you mentioned, and I think it's true, Western convert Buddhism has an element of you go away from your family to practice. Um, I'll kinda, uh, we've been talking about Freemasonry, and I'll I'll throw out there for other Freemasons that may throw rocks at me. Yes, Freemasonry is not a religion, um, but it does have spiritual aspects and that, and it, in, in many ways, it's similar to Buddhism here In that you do, it is a, almost a monastic practice, um, that you go and do and you tend to do that practice away. You may, Freemasonry may have an element that influences your family and it, and it informs your family, but you're not necessarily doing Freemasonry with your family. Um, which is interesting because that's probably similar with Buddhism in that it's an initiatic monastic tradition that. That kind of wants to take you inward, and I think you kind of do that alone. But I think we as human beings, you need that connection. That's part of what's provided. And uh, like you said, going to someone's funeral, you know, in Freemasonry, that's one of the the greatest things we do. Is uh, just this last week, I was dealing with two different individuals, completely different individuals, and the primary goal was making sure their funeral was going to happen or was at least well attended.
0: So, um, in the case of Freemasonry, I'm going to lump Freemasonry and the Boy Scouts together because I think these are both organizations that are quasi spiritual, right? Quasi spiritual and Freemasonry, um, while it is only men are members, but I think it would be incorrect to say your wife is not part of the community because she goes to things with you Mm -hmm. and other wives know her and other, other Freemasons know her. So uh, while full membership is, and I don't, it's probably very complicated. But she's definitely part of the community, absolutely, hundred percent, yeah. And it's the same, I think, with Boy Scouts. Although Boy Scouts are, well, I guess they they, they do, change Scouts like. BSA now and they welcome girls. But <laughs> for many, many years, Boy Scouts was only boys. But at the same time, their families are part of the community. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, my son is a Cub Scout, and I'm I'm yeah. part of the community. I go to things. So even though I'm not a child. And I'm not in, I dropped out of Cub Scouts when I was a kid, but I'm still, I'm part of the
1: community because my son is in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Actually, Boy Scouts is a a great example of a spiritual community that people don't think of it that way. They think of, uh, uh, they they think of Boy Scouts as like a civic activity, but it does have spiritual components because the reason you you gather together as Scouts and the, the idea behind service and putting other people ahead of yourself, you know, these actions, all of them similar to kind of boil down to mindfulness practice in a way in that they're all small activities that kind of build up to something. Um, Boy Scouts is a a great example of a spiritual community that people don't think about, that it, it, you can have all the elements of every other group in terms of support that come just from Boy Scouts. And that's just a youth activity. So I think, there's probably thousands of spiritual communities. I think most of us are probably part of at least 10. <laughs> the fact of the matter is that
0: if you're in a Boy Scout troop that is, has good leadership and is a good community, then the plan is it's developing the child into a better adult. And I don't know if Scouts always achieves that, but that's, that's definitely the plan is to create a more, more well-rounded adult who is ready for life because life is hard and we need to get ready for life. And I think um, if I understand Freemasonry, it's more an adult version of that. You're trying to be a more well-rounded, be a better person and have a thing you can do to help you be a better person.
1: Yeah, I can I can give the the normal tagline that Freemasons give everywhere, which is, you know, take good men, make them better. Um, you know, the uh, my mentor when I was starting Freemasonry very much stressed the point of, It takes a good man first to make them better, but because it's you're gonna be doing the work yourself is really the the rub. Like if you want to be better, you're gonna need to do it. But you know, how does a community make someone better? It was just like Boy Scouts. There's something external to yourself that that provides a a motivator that causes good, you know, whereas if you know our inner work, our inner spiritual work, we're maybe not gonna have that without a community. Yeah. Yeah, I want to. I want to say Buddhism is that way. I
0: want to feel like Buddhism is that way too, that we're a community because we are doing this together and it's sort of like going to the gym to work out with a buddy. That is, I mean, your friend is not lifting weights for you, obviously, but they're there with you and they provide a kind of support in what you're trying to do. And in Buddhism, uh, we're trying to be more, more mindful, more aware, more compassionate. And if we're doing it with friends who are also doing it, then that sort of helps motivate and encourage us. And also surrounding ourselves with people that have the same goals as us is also helpful. So if I'm out spending time, all my time with people who just want to be unmindful and just want to tear apart the world all the time, that's going to have a negative effect on me. Mm -hmm. So I think that, spending time with people with common goals is really an important aspect of community as well.
1: Yeah, I think that that's that's kind of one of the like you said, we you know we talked about the positive aspects of community and I think that's great that we actually stayed there and talked about that as much as we did. The kind of the more negative aspects are what you just described. We pick up what we put put ourselves around and we, we think of it that we'll just we get to decide. We don't always get to decide what earworms its way through. And I think that's the other thing a spiritual community provides is you've kind of got some kind of a handshake that you've all agreed on so that you're, you're going to at least work on some base level stuff. And while working together in this community, whichever it is, the Boy Scouts is really a great example, I think, especially as ecumenical as they are now, with including all religions and everything, but they're still very much spiritual and kind of gathering people together and moving forward um but i think the problems in spiritual communities come from the same problems in meditation practice ego right mm-hmm. like when we are we want in, in in our spiritual community sometimes people hoard titles uh or hoard create small little empires or clubs or or whatever where it stops being about the goodness that we just talked about and it becomes all the other things that are wrong with uh humanity or yeah, I mean, you can add something there. I'm sure you've encountered some of it in the Buddhist communities, because uh, I've definitely seen it in both pagan circles and and others. Um, you know, the you mentioned the two Gaia's, right? Where they're spelled different. I will say that <laughs> one is uh, one is a Unitarian Universalist church, and the other one is a campground. They uh, they have a lot of overlap because of what they are, and there's even been friction between them or various people uh, because at the end of the day we as human beings have emotions and feelings and when we get in a big group those can be amplified and sometimes people uh yeah i mean those are the things that happen with any any large group hey
0: um you probably know this is unitarian universalist and unity the same thing
1: no they're actually not oh no okay yeah you ready for this i mean that's the, that's the thing. That's, that's the other problem. The spiritual community is schism. schism. Okay? We, we think we understand a group because we've heard about a group. But then, again, we mentioned those egos, and they kind of divide up like amoebas. Uh, now, Unity is Unity School of Christianity. It is a, um, I would say, an accepting Christian denomination. Uh, that's, that's Unity School. Um, I've done some work and, and attended at Unity on the plaza, Uh, A few times in my life.
0: I'm going to lead a meditation at a church called Unity Southeast Mm -hmm. on the 20th of April. So I know they must be kind of open-minded about things.
1: Yeah, uh, the Unity School, uh, does. there's a lot of Buddhist groups that co-share buildings with Unity Mm -hmm. groups. Um, I'm pretty sure that this is the same group. I don't know anything about Southeast Unity, but I'm sure it's similar. Um, They're one of the universal salvation Mm -hmm. groups. Uh, Now, the Gaia community, which is a totally different uh, denomination of ecumenical accepting religion is what I'll call it, Uh, and they're Unitarian Universalists, which is also a merger of two religions that were, again, just based on the similar doctrine of everybody's saved, everyone's right, we're free to look. Um, And all three of those groups that I just talked about um, have this, this sort of a we get together and provide a space of tolerance rather than a space of judgment which many of us that have grown up in like traditional like lutheran or baptist churches may we're looking for the place that tells us what to do whereas like the unities and unitarian groups that's more like hey here we are there's options
0: just be nice to each other
1: that's i mean <laughs> the, i think that's ultimately because uh, you and I spent years reading the Bible, right? And I think the motivation behind that was trying to find some kind of truth. Um, and I think as we kept reading, we just kept finding more and more questions instead of truth. Um, and that I think, you know, when you it's a it's a useful activity. Uh, I think the problems come into it is when somebody thinks they really have landed on the absolute answer and they quit working on the questions.
0: Yeah, I sort of wonder sometimes what life would be like if if I went to theology school, uh, but I didn't. So um, <laughs> if you can cast your memory back and tell me why you left Christianity or if you feel that you left when you became a pagan as a very young man.
1: I think when I, I first became a pagan, I absolutely left Christianity. It was a hard break. Like I was like, I'm not that anymore. I've thoroughly explored this concept and it's a hard break. We're not doing that anymore. And we're doing this now. And what this was, was kind of what I would call a, a pulp, uh, kind of Wiccan, uh, spirituality that, that, that worked. It was a, a cosmology that made sense. And it gave me a framework for study from there. Uh, through that interest, I was able to find, uh, and I guess the question you asked there about, did I consider myself Christian at that time? No, I didn't. Um, later, as I was, it was actually through Freemasonry, I started to add, add in, uh, sort of add in, relook uh, back at some of the more interesting passages in the Bible, and that kind of reintegrated. I guess I can answer that okay. more differently. <laughs> I'm getting into the weeds. Yeah. So, okay. What do you think, what do you think the pagan community does really well? They take care of each other. Um, the pagan community, uh, especially in Kansas city and even I'd say, uh, around the continental United States, uh, there is a, a family feeling, um, uh, any, uh, you know, shout out to any of my camp family. They know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, if you are at a pagan event, um, People will know you. They'll remember you. There's uh, hugs and love, and uh, it's very, very much not about what you'd think. It's, it's much more the history of it. Um, a friend of mine that I met through Camp Gaia uh, actually wrote a book on the children raised in pagan communities around the United States, because there's lots of these little hidden communities that almost raised their kids differently, kind of like the way an old Amish community would, or even an old Jewish community would somewhat just different perspectives on things. And now we've become a subculture and it's, yeah, I think what we do well though, is we care for each other, uh, as in show up and help out and, and support.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, I went to camp Gaia and, taught meditation once because I was invited to go there and I go places I'm invited. And uh, that's what really struck me was everybody was super nice to me and super welcoming. And uh, honestly, what I didn't see, I didn't learn anything about paganism. And I thought I would by going there (laughs) and I didn't learn a single thing at all. And so with that being said, I want to ask, what do you think pagan communities struggle with?
1: Well, um, I will say... I want to get back to the idea of, uh, you know, you didn't learn anything about paganism. Uh, there is there is something there, um, so we'll come back to it. But where we struggle uh, as pagan communities are, uh, we're a new faith. And so it's real easy for someone to declare themselves their own version of the Pope and, you know, start running around and trying to build, you know, some kind of a, an orthodoxy to it or, or just really the the ego traps where I'm a, I'm a third degree Wiccan from a lineage with special training. You know, you'll need to, you don't know this secret because it's only from this tradition of this group from this location. You have uh, traditional Italian witchcraft groups and other things. And I'm not actually criticizing the practice of any of these groups because I think all of them are beautiful. It's where we fall down is when we think uh, I'm more pagan than you. Um, I'm more pagan than you is our our biggest problem. That's exhausting. Okay. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, And then I want to ask where you think Freemasonry
1: works really well. I think the the best part about Freemasonry is a lot of times Freemasonry works on an individual. It works on improving society by improving an individual. Um, And I think that It does its best work when uh, people pursue Freemasonry with an interest in Freemasonry that's self-motivated, and then the results kind of happen from there. Uh, The beehive effects of of men of different opinions, different politics and religions. So you have uh, people of all faiths gathering, people of all politics gathering, and then doing something for charity or helping with a civic project and then doing your best to take no credit.
0: Okay. And where would you say it struggles?
1: Um, I think the problem with Freemasonry is like any traditional group right now. We struggle with being relevant. Uh, You know, when Freemasonry was large in World War II, uh, in many places around the country and around the world, it was a form of entertainment also. So... Of course, uh, lodges and buildings had plenty of members because everyone needed something to do with their evening. Uh, So they would have regular activities in a Masonic Hall. Uh, Masonic Halls were places of storing books, research, debate. They were the other place like the church. Um, Where we struggle now is the same way in which churches struggle. Uh, People have plenty of options. They They can stay home and And listen to literally any amount of information from any source. So what modern Freemasons are having to do is we're having to be a little more out there. We're having to talk more candidly, like I am even now, uh, so that people know that it's available and it is something that is pursuable by them. Okay. Um,
0: I want to bring attention back to Buddhism here and just say that after my divorce, I was in a pretty dark place. And I started going to the Rimei Center to a local Buddhist temple as often as I possibly could because I discovered that when I didn't go there, when it wasn't my night with the kids, I was just going to drink all night and watch Netflix. And that was all I was going to do. And I thought, well, this isn't... I don't want to live my life this way. So I started like figuring out how I could get myself into the Buddhist temple more often, more evenings. And uh, I think community plays a role in that as well. But it also sort of made me maybe read into the community something that wasn't there. I I got my own support out of it um, with no direction from anyone. I just said, okay, how can I use this to support myself? And I don't know um, if a lot of people see that as a possibility or see that as an option, but I think communities do well when they have, I wanted to say all that to say communities do well when they have events all the time, which is what I think sort of what you express with Freemasonry. I need something to do. I'm going to go to the Masonic Lodge. Um, I think it's good to have things to do. I think we have a lot of ways to entertain ourselves now by staying at home, but I think it's good to have things to get out and do and get out and talk to people. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a very good function of communities, not just, I mean, I'm, I'm really thinking heavily about the deeper functions, like when my father passed away and the church brought food to us, but there's lighter functions too, about just. Having something to do, somewhere to go to talk to people and meet people and engage them. And I think that's
1: really good too. Like go somewhere have somewhere to go to be sad. You know, you you don't know what else to do. You know, the difference for so many people in this world right now, when you uh, you know, you arrive at a catastrophe, you know, this they don't have to be huge. You're you're you you could have um not gotten a promotion at work. You could have uh, or it could be big you could have a car accident or or a death or you know when you're at that place of of darkness and by darkness i just mean sadness spiritual communities i think are very very healing because you go there and you just kind of are able to say okay i'm here because i'm sad you know i don't know of anything any if it's not a spiritual community you can't go there because you're sad no one will no one will be okay with that, you know. It's like let's say you're you're in a bad mood and you go to the bar, you know. Okay, but for the most part, sat at the bar isn't the same as sat at church or sat at at a Masonic lodge or even a Buddhist temple, like you said, like the Remai Center, um, and uh, has a lot in common with the idea of uh, of a lodge because uh, Buddhists are more active, you know. It's not as clergy based. So, and another thing I want to say is that.
0: If you're in a tough place and you're struggling, or you don't know what to do, or you don't know where to go, or whatever, um, if you go to your temple or your lodge, you're probably not going to get in trouble. Whereas if you go to a bar because you're feeling unhappy, that something bad could happen, and you could get in trouble in your temple or lodge. But for some reason, my feeling is it's a little safer,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: less likely, like a so I'm going here cause I'm sad. And then if I happen to become a better person because I'm here, that's great. <laughs> and, right. Yeah. And I, I think that's sort of why there's spirituality connected to the recovery community too, because when people are really struggling with addiction, then they go into recovery and then maybe they get spiritual or maybe they don't, but they're not getting in trouble while they're in recovery while they're in an AA meeting or whatever. So, um, I want to shift gears now and I want to talk about what I'm doing. So I have Fountain City Meditation, which I call a project. I don't call it a community. And I was just talking about this to Alicia yesterday. I said, I don't really think what I'm doing is a community. And I said that because I'm having public meditation events once or twice a month. This month I'm doing it twice, but usually I do it once outdoors, which means in winter we're closed. And I don't think of it as a community because – all I'm really doing is giving a little bit of my time and that's my whole contribution. And and I say that because, um, I talked to a guy named Tom who runs a Buddhist temple in Oklahoma and he had me go give a talk there, which was great. But I talked to him and I asked him, has running this community taken over your whole life? And he said, well, it's a good thing I'm retired. That's what he said. It's a good thing I'm retired. Because it has taken over his whole life, right? So I, when I think of community, I think of something that's going to dominate my life. And I i am don't want something to dominate my life, right? So I thought, oh, Fountain City Meditation is just a, a facilitator. It's just a project. It's not a community. And then I wanted to tell you that yesterday, I posted on Facebook a picture of my meditation location and... My friend James commented on the picture and he said, so when's the next meeting of our community? And I was like, oh, is it a community? So I wanted to ask you what you think is the dividing line between community and not a community.
1: I think that's actually beautiful. Um, I'd say it's a handshake. Um, You see, you have a project. You cannot create community. It is impossible to create community by yourself. So you, Daniel Sharpenberg, have an idea to teach meditation to people in a in a approachable way without a whole lot of extra. Um, atta- I don't without a whole lot of extra. I mean, yes. I think it's you're boiling it down to it's. I'm going to make a crass joke and say the IKEA of meditation. We're just <laughs> getting to the point. It's good quality meditation, and you know you can be of various spiritual traditions. You happen to be Buddhist. Um, I have also studied Buddhism, um, but the I think. It, it becomes a community when somebody reaches back, like your your friend James said, Well, when is the next meeting of our community? Well, once James <laughs> decided that your project was a community, uh, between you and James, you made one. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it takes two, and then from there, three, four, five, then you have a community. Yeah, I, I was
0: thinking of it as something I have to decide to do, and I think that it's organic. It's not mm-hmm. something you decide. Although... Uh, people decide to create a community and they try to all the time. Right. And that's not what I'm doing. I am doing this project where I go and I lead meditation and I try to be, I try to take away all the things that people are, are scared of intimidated by all the aspects of meditation that people are intimidated by. I try to take those out. So we do it outside. So people don't go have to go inside a building and I don't, ask people questions about themselves unless they come up to me. So if somebody wants to go to a meditation alone and doesn't want to talk to anyone because they're an introvert, they, they can do that. They're free to do that. And they do. And I, uh, there's no sense of religion attached to it because I want people who are devoutly Christian to be comfortable coming. And I want people who are atheist and really against religion to be comfortable coming. And of course I want other Buddhists to be comfortable coming too. I wanted to create a situation where literally anyone could come and be reasonably comfortable. And since we do it outside, hopefully enjoy nice weather. And I'm actually a little worried that my I'm going to have a gathering outside of a church because I think, oh, well, some of the people that come to these really don't want to go to a church ever. And I don't know if I'm assuming that about them or not, because another thing I don't do is ask questions, right? I don't go to the people that come to my meditation and say, are you a Christian? Are you a Buddhist? Are you a pagan? Right. I don't do that. That would be people wouldn't like that that would be intimidating so um where was i going with this so i don't know if it's a community or not but i'm also unattached to the results of that if it's a community that's okay and if it's not a community that's okay but in either case i'm i i worry about accidentally letting it dominate my life and i i try to avoid that because you know i have a job and i have a girlfriend and i have four kids and i have a lot going on so I want this to be a part of my life that I care about a lot, but I also, I don't want it to run my whole life. And when I think of a person that runs a community, I think of someone whose life is dominated by the work they're doing. And that's not what I want to be.
1: Yeah. I think that, um, if I can add to that at all, I'd say that that's probably a healthy outlook for anybody that wants to start a community is to, make sure to know that they have to keep themselves in balance. I mean, that's kind of a Buddhist lesson is the idea of, you know, maybe we'll create something good, maybe we won't, but we'll let the results speak for themselves and not be attached to creating an outcome. Um, I think that's, that's definitely there. But yeah, the, I think some things, some projects become totally dominated. Once it becomes a community, it is alive, it's its own, you can't control it, you have obligation to it. It's like a child. I actually think what you said earlier and what we we're talking about, like like creating a child, some people do sit down and go, we're going to create a child, and this is how you raise a child. And those are some, like some communities. Somebody sat down and said, okay, let's get together and make a community, and they did, and they made bylaws, and they did all that. And then there's the other ones, like the skateboard clubs that formed in New York or other groups where suddenly, before they know it, the people that are leaders like like yourself in, in this meditation project that is becoming a community, you you didn't intend for it. It was it, it's kind of like how sometimes somebody shows up and says, Oh, I'm pregnant, we're gonna have a child. And you're like, oh, Okay. And what happens next is what happens next. Yeah, so I think that we are gonna be finished
0: now. Um, we've been going for quite a while, and so I wanna ask. Do you have any final thoughts about community?
1: Uh, I, I think uh, my, my final thoughts on community are um, we need it. It's like air. Uh, human beings need community. You will create a, a spiritual or a community um, out of what is available to you. Um, and I think that it's important to just be mindful of that truth. Because just that knowledge will change how you approach community and and what you're willing to offer. Um, I think for me personally, what I've learned to do is I don't get too attached to what I think my role is. I just worry about what I think my community, and in this case can mean a lot of things, uh, needs from me right now. And if I do what I'm needed to do right now, then I trust the community will take care of me later. All right,
0: that's good. I think um also one f- final thing about the role of community that I don't think I said was I think that it can serve as kind of a second family for for people that don't have a family. So so I guess for them it's a first family. As a family for people that don't have a family. So the hope, the greatest hope I would have for spiritual communities is if somebody moves to a new town and they're all alone and they don't know anyone, they can go to a community and make friends. That's my, that's to me the best thing a community can possibly do is just help someone that has no one and suddenly you have people. And if communities are able to do that, I think that's great. And if communities can't do that, I think they need to ask some real questions about why. Why? what the problem is, and how they can get better at it. I think it's very important to be good at welcoming people, making people feel included, and communicating clearly to the community members. I think those things are very important, and I, I think that communities that don't do those things have a lot of trouble and have people drift away. So um, that's it. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for coming over, Daniel.
1: You're welcome. This has been a
0: great talk, and I think we'll do it again. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.